Hey guys, hey all you wiretappers out there back here in the studio, Gangland Wire, retired intelligence sergeant Gary Jenkins. I need to do a follow-up on a short one I did about Al Pilato the other day. I was on Facebook and a gal, Jimmy Free, and thanks for, at Ben Alex, and thanks for reminding me about this. There's a whole other story about the murder plot on Al Pilato, the Chicago outfit, Southside crew chief leader labor racketeering guy he he had a case pending at that point in time when this happened and the outfit decided he needed to go i mean al needs to go now when they say you need to go probably need to go now let me tell you about exactly how this whole thing went down i just brushed across the top of it it's kind of a fun little story Sam Gazzino, whose brother Richard Gazzino was in the foursome with Al Pilato. Go back and take a look at that if you haven't seen it. Sam Gazzino was an outfit member, and he was also the former father-in-law of the hitman on this deal, a guy named Daniel Bounds, who was a cab driver. He had been married to Gazzino's daughter and fathered a child with her. They'd gotten a divorce, but but he needed money, I, I suspect, and Sam Gazzino knew it. Now, Sam Gazzino is probably not the sharpest tool in the toolbox, would you say? Hires this Peckerwood cab driver to do this important hit. And this is a pretty important hit, and you don't want this to go wrong, right? You don't want this to go wrong. But he tells him, hey, I got a job for you, and Bounds reluctantly, according to the court transcript, accepted this assignment now, he sam and one thing he did he said i'll make and make sure that you get a lot more access to your daughter his granddaughter and so that and i'll pay you some money and he promised him a down payment of two thousand dollars plus a weekly amount which was not said exactly what it was plus another job but a business that sam owned you know they didn't have to be a cab driver anymore and see his kid a little more often, have $2,000 in cash. Not very much money for a murder, if you ask me. But, you know, that's that was the deal. He also said after he got into this, he said, now, you understand, now you know a hit's going down. <laughs> Get this. The other, you know, the hammer, the, the, the carrot and the stick. Well, here comes the stick. You know a hit's coming down, and, and you're not going to be part of it. You're a risk to us, and you know I can't guarantee that how long you're going to live knowing this information once we go ahead and carry this out. And Sam told him, he said, I'm going to make millions from it, and we're going to pass this along to you, and we got to do it quick. And first asking Bounds, asking, well, who's it going to be? And, and Gazzino said, no, nah. he said, I'm, I'm not telling you just yet. Next day, after Bounds reluctantly agrees, Sam Gazzino and his brother Richard meet at Sam had a cab company, and that's where Bounds had been working. He said he expressed confidence in him, according to the court transcript. He said, me, I'm too fat to handle this. I'd love to do it. I'd love to hit that guy, but I'm, I'm too fat to handle it. And you're going to, again, he reassured him of all the benefits he was going to get. It still kept him in the dark about who the target was or where it would take place. Then later on, they got they were joined by another def defendant, a guy named Robert C. Roki, and he was going to be the weapons man. So they all got in Sam's car. They went out to a rural area in Will County, which is adjacent to Cook County on the south side, and we're going to determine if Bounds could shoot. This is basic qualification of the job, right? You can shoot. They get a rifle out. 
and his telescope on it, and a silencer at the end. I mean, these guys are very equipped. This is like James Bond stuff here. So Kratzy took the gun, he fired at his sign, he hit it. Sam says, you know, that's a little bit loud. Sirachi said, yeah, I'll do some more work on it. And Bounds fired at the sign. He missed. And actually, it said when they went and looked at the sign close, the first guy, Sirachi's sign, he said, it might be Siroki. He was right on it. He merely dented it. He did not even penetrate the sign. So they said they need another gun. They need a better gun. After that target practice that day, they drove over by, over by the Lickenshire Country Club to look it over. And not to play golf. And they went out to the AT. Sam, the AT was close to the road there. And he pointed to the AT and he said, this would be the perfect location. He said, and you could use a handgun. You could use a pistol here. They looked at another tee box and he said, you know, that you could use a rifle there, but and from a concealed area. But they didn't really like that. It's a dumping ground for mob. This Will County is is a dumping ground for the mob, and the county has no money to really to investigate mob assassinations or any mob stuff. So that's one reason they chose this country club because it was over in this Will County. It's kind of interesting all the thought processes that go into these murders. You don't think about all that. As this uh, court transcript I found is really detailed. So they I drop off. See Rocky, he's going to go mess with the rifle. Bounds and the two Gazino brothers walk back to their, go drive back to the country club. And Gazino says, I'm going out to Las Vegas for a few days. And you guys keep working on this, work out the details. And one suggestion that Sam had was that our friend Daniel Bounds could use a bicycle to escape after the shooting. He wasn't really enthusiastic about that idea. I don't know. I do this is kind of like, you know, hey, you can take a bicycle to a hit. You know, that's not the way the big boys do it, is it? <laughs> I don't think so. Richard Gazino, the next day, driving his blue Eldorado Cadillac. I mean, every bump guy's got to have an Eldorado, right, back in these days, the 80s. Picks up Daniel Bounds and he said, we're going to go buy a bicycle. They went to a residence. They're driving in the streets in the neighborhoods. They find a sign nailed to a tree that says bikes for sale. I've seen that guy will, will like, I used to have a neighbor like that. He'll buy old bicycles and fix them up. Put a hand painted sign out front. He's always got a bicycle for sale for pretty cheap. They go in, they find an old repainted 10-speed bicycle for 20 bucks. Buy the bicycle for 20 bucks, put it in the trunk, go back, pick up Sam Gazino, drive out to the 8th tee for a practice bicycle ride to some other rendezvous point. Bounds tried to ride as fast as he can, but the gears, the chain kept slipping, and he wasn't good on the bicycle. So Bounds retired the bicycle to his basement to, to his great relief, I think. He didn't like that bicycle idea. His marksmanship left a lot to be desired, so they drove back out in the country to a dump area in the Will County, suburban or rural area of Will, uh, Will County. Siraki pulls out a 45 caliber pistol and a 357 Magnum revolver and says, hey, try this. So they got a sign out there. There was a keep out sign and, and Daniel Bell Bounds emptied both guns into the sign and from about 15 feet. And they, they praised him up, said, oh, great, man, you're a great shot with a pistol. Next day, they go back off to the golf course for a make a definite decision on the location for the shooting. 
walk around the AT area, get back in the car. They drive away to see, you know, what kind of traffic's around and, and where you would go from there. They decide that they'll let him off. He could hide in the trees at a good rendezvous point will be at, at a particular place a few blocks away. Now they drive back to the AT and Bounds gets practiced by running by. There's a bridge close by. He gets takes practice by running back to this bridge where they're going to rendezvous. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, man. Next thing they do is they properly outfit him. They buy him from a Kmart some dark green coveralls and a baseball cap and a knapsack and some kind of special boots. They were going to buy him some kind of special boots. I don't know what kind of boots. Then they didn't want to spend the money, so Sam Gazzino lent Daniel Bounds, or Richard one one of the Gazzino brothers, lent Daniel Bounds his boots, but they were way too big for him. Then Bounds says, you know, I really need a police scanner so I can follow police activities as I'm doing this. They discussed this, and, and Sam Gazzino opposed it, and he said, you don't really need a scanner because he's going to be in the foursome. And after the murder, he'll offer to call the police and the ambulance, but then flounder around and not do it. I mentioned before, you know, what they do, they just run off. Some neighbor lady actually called the police, and then he won't get the police call. So that explains, you know, what he was going to. He had a plan for that, why he didn't call the police. He was going to act like he did and not do it for quite a while. So Bounds was then reassured that there would be Plenty of time to get away before anybody called the police. But they did let Bounds get a scanner. We had to buy it without his own money. He went to Radio Shack. So he bought a Citizens Band radio because he couldn't find the right kind of scanner. I probably couldn't find a portable scanner. Those Bearcat scanners they were selling back then were usually, they weren't handheld. So the CB radio, you get a walkie-talkie, a CB radio walkie-talkie. So he, he shows Gazino and he says, no, that's, that's not what you want. So he goes back and he gets a more powerful CB radio, give it a field test. They can't make it work. Go back and get a refund. I mean, this is like the March Brothers, the Keystone Cops of, of hits, man. So I made all these preparations. This is down in Chicago Heights for you guys. The Chicago Heights guys pick up some videotapes to take to Sam Gazzino there was his mother's 75th birthday party kind of mixing a little business and pleasure here I guess he shows them on his video cassette recorder to these guys but here's why they're showing it to him Al Pilato is in there and he points out I said that's the guy we want to hit and Daniel Bounds knew him and knew who he was and he also knew that his brother was the Al Pilato's brother was the Chicago Heights chief of police and he was not too happy about it but you know he was he was in it over his head now I mean there's just no way Sam tried to like convince him he said look he said this Al is 71 years old he's got a case in Miami we're afraid he's gonna spill some names don't worry, it's been blessed. That means, you know, it's been okayed all the way up to Tony Accardo, I would imagine, at the time. So, you know, don't worry. And he goes over additional details, keeps having to kind of buck him up. Bounds was instructed, okay, when Al comes up, the guy you just saw in that video comes up to the tee in the golf cart, hit him as soon as he stops, puts his left foot out on the ground. They must have known he always drove, of course, whoever... Sam was probably riding with him, so he'd make sure he drove. And he, he said, be careful, because I'm going to be with him. I'm going to be with him. And he said, now, if if you 
make any noise, you got to come out fast because he'll take off. So you better come out shooting. <laughs> but again, if you come out shooting, you know, don't hit me. <laughs> this is crazy. So they set it up. This is like a Thursday. The next day, Friday, they do a final dress rehearsal before it was going to happen on a Saturday. Uh, you know, we always play golf on Saturdays. Gazzino picks up bounds, drops him off at the eighth tee, hides in the bush. Sam Gazzino rides up in the golf cart. Sam got out of the cart and said loud enough to Bounds to hear, are you there? Bounds said, yeah. And he said, okay, take off. So he took off running, ran down to the rendezvous point, and they timed that. <laughs> this is like Mission Impossible here. <laughs> Saturday arrives. Bounds shaves off. He has a mustache. He shaves off his mustache. He made him a nylon stocking mask. So this Siraki picks him up about 2.20 in the morning. They go over to Siraki's apartment. Siraki loads up both the pistols, the 45 and the 357, wipes them down, wipes the ammunition down, makes sure there's no fingerprints on them, gives him a pair of gloves, which are way too big, which means it's really hard to get your finger in the trigger. <laughs> I'm telling you, these guys, if anybody wants to come and hit me, I hope it's these guys. So Sam stops by and says, okay, everything's a go. It's about 5 o'clock in the morning, so they're going to be teeing off at 6 a.m. That's an early tea time, man. You only do those in the summertime. You must, they must have got the first tea, tea time uh, of the day, which is kind of hard to do. Usually got a bunch of old guys. Maybe Casino played there all the time, so he always had that early, that first tea time. Bounds has got a scanner by now in his backpack that he's wearing, and, and they head out about 8 o'clock. They were going to be at the course by 8.30, and of course, if you tee off at 6, it's going to take you a little over two hours to get to the 8 to 9 tees. It depends on how fast you play. Of course, Sam's kind of running the things, and he can slow down and speed up as they go. Daniel Bounds gets in the bushes. Pretty soon, he sees a golf cart coming up. He recognizes Pilato. He recognizes who's with him, and actually, uh, Sam wasn't going to be with him. He, Sam wasn't going to sit in the end. Sam didn't sit in the golf cart with him. He had this other guy, Nicholas Bushy, sit in. He didn't know anything about the deal. They had another guy who was, I think I mentioned this before, Rudy Bamonte, and he was in Sam's golf cart, and they were all played at this club, been playing there regular for four or five years. So they get up to the eighth tee. Pilato gets out. He tees off. He hits his tee shot. Greatest tee shot ever. I was just kidding before, but. I don't know if it was or not. Walks back while the others get up and start hitting their balls. Bounds that. Bounds, where is he? Sam, they're like going, hey, Bounds hears Sam say, go ahead and shoot. <laughs> Assuming Sam was talking to him and not just telling Sam's gulping partners to tee off. That's what he was doing. He's telling somebody else, you know, go ahead and shoot. Bounds comes out, shoots from a distance, hit, hits Pilato in the shoulder. Gets up and walks out back into the bushes. Pilato fell down, hold his hands up, and pleads to him not to shoot again. But he'd already shot three times at close range. Fushi has run off the other way and is hiding behind a tree. Bounds turns to leave, has another miss or fire, fires again, almost hits himself in the foot, and he takes off running. Left his knapsack there, gets to the uh, Rendezvous point and Siraki is not there. <laughs> they, they load, put their golf towels on Pilato, load him in the golf cart, and then they drive around a little bit and, and act like they're trying to find the phone, which they can't for a while. But like I said, some neighbor went ahead and, and called that in. So that's 
That's the story that day when they hit Al Palato. That's a, that's a heck of a story. And then the gang that couldn't shoot straight, the Marx Brothers do a hit in Chicago. A lot of other Chicago outfits have gone down a lot smoother than that. Just go check out the Family Secrets trial and hear Nicholas Calabrese talk about the hits that they do. I know I heard his nephew talking about, uh, and he told me, I think, in the podcast interview I did with him with uh, Oh, that Calabrese Jr., Frank Calabrese Jr. He said, you know, we like to lay on, we call it lay on a guy. We'll lay on a guy for, for a month or weeks. And, and then, like he said, he's hidden in a refrigerator box. That's a pretty good scam. Get a big refrigerator box, set it out on the street, and you can get in it, and you can be really up close, and usually nobody will mess with it. And then it's gone the next day, usually sneak out later. So they're pretty inventive in Chicago. But these guys on the south side, <laughs> Sam Gazzito was not. So thanks a lot, guys. It's just one more of the stories, the seven million stories in the naked city of Chicago. I really have fun with this story here. It, it, it is a good one. Don't forget, I like to ride motorcycles, so watch out for motorcycles when you're out there. And if you have a problem with PTSD, be sure and go to the uh, website that the VA has and get that hotline number. And hand-in-hand with PTSD is a drug and alcohol addiction. You don't have to be in the VA to get hold of our friend, uh, Ruggiano, Anthony Ruggiano, I'm losing my mind sometimes, Anthony Ruggiano, and get get his hotline number on his website or his YouTube page. He's a drug and alcohol counselor himself down in uh, Florida. And don't forget to like and subscribe and tell your friends about the podcast, whether it be the audio or the video podcast. We're all over the place. Got a great Facebook page called Gangland Wire Podcast. Got over 50,000 people on it, a lot of great discussions about the mob and, you know, personal people that have personal connections to it and to the neighborhoods stuff. So it's a lot of fun. We just keep coming back. And, and I really appreciate it again to my friend, Bill, Bill, <laughs> Ben Ellickson from Chicago asking me, didn't they use a bicycle as part of this? And with at Jimmy Free, who I don't know, who commented, I need to do a second part and tell the whole story and he's right so thanks a lot guys